Hey, it's your host, Charlotte Chipperfield, and welcome to the Holistic Marketing Podcast, the show that inspires you to think holistically about yourself, your business, and your marketing to ignite the impact you desire to have in the world. We'll learn what it takes to be seen and heard in the digital space from leading experts and myself as the founder and CEO of Chipperfield Media. Get ready to own your marketing by exploring the intersection of purpose and proactive marketing to move your business forward. Well, I'm really excited to welcome Kelsey Lowitz to the podcast today. I am thrilled to have you, and I think we're going to have such an insightful and wonderful conversation. You know, one of my intentions with this podcast is to really help all of us really look at our whole lives and our whole bodies and our minds and the way that that can impact our performance in our, our businesses. And so I'd love, Kelsey, for you to start by telling everyone a little bit about who you are, what you do, and what your mission is. Thanks so much for having me, Charlotte. It's really fun to be here with you today. So um, I am Kelsey Lowitz, and I am a transformational life coach uh, and a Chinese medicine practitioner and acupuncturist. And I help high-achieving, hard-driving, successful women learn how to take their foot off the gas a little bit and step back and and tune into their inner wisdom, their inner guide, their bodies in a way to help them have more self-compassion and find more joy and ease while still meeting their goals and kicking ass, kicking butt at what they do in, in, in the world. Um, the program that I used to run, um, I've sort of morphed a little bit. So I used to run a program called the Whole Life Leadership Program, and that was a kind of teaching or guiding women to be the leaders in their whole life. I, my, my core belief is that our mind, body, and spirit integration is crucial. It's critical for our well-being and also for our long-term success, right? So that we don't, you know, I came from a world where um, working harder was what got you ahead. So I worked in the corporate world for I don't know, 20 years. I was a teacher and then I did some corporate work. And um, the longer you sat at your desk, the harder you drove yourself and your body, the more, you know, promotions and races you got until a certain point, right? Until your body starts to send you clues and signals that that old way of working isn't going to work anymore. Until um, you start to get feedback from managers that, you know, you're pushing other people too hard, you're too critical until, um, you know, some other outside force says, ah, this isn't the way to keep getting ahead. And so what I believe is women, I, I mostly work with women and probably um, the core message will resonate most with women. When we go easier on ourselves and others, because we have more compassion for ourselves and others, when we learn to tune in to our body's subtle clues uh, deep inside our, our bodies and our spirits, when we, again, slow down just a little bit, then we can have more success. And so I help women both, um, if I work with them in person, I can help them with, um, you know, in acupuncture, helping look at some of the ramifications that this overdriving can have on the body, right? So insomnia, uh, digestive issues, um, menstrual irregularities, you know, you, ha you weight gain, whatever it is from a physical perspective. 
Um, and then from a, an emotional and spiritual perspective, I help um, women all over the country through the coaching program, the, um, the slow power coaching program that I've done, that I'm doing now. So as I was saying, it used to be called whole life leadership, and it's morphed a little bit into this slow power process where uh, it's about, like I said, tuning into your heart, slowing down, setting big goals for yourself, but achieving them with a slightly different mentality um, so that you can have more fun along the way. Oh, and that's so amazing. I think we all want that, right? And I think I am incredibly guilty of putting my foot to that gas pedal and just being like it's in hustle mode. And for me, you know, when I started my business, it was back in 2014. And I think there is this concept of you hustle really hard for a couple of years and the reward's going to come. And I have really found myself even the last few years being like, I'm not in those first couple years of business anymore, but I still have my foot on the gas. And I think when we're constantly moving that quickly, we don't always know where we're going and like really paying attention to what our bodies are telling us, like you were saying. And I think through entrepreneurship, I've also become very aware of my mind, body, and spirit connection. And it's something that I love to talk about because I do think it's such a critical part of our lives and we can so easily get distracted from it. And, you know, for the listeners, like I have had the wonderful opportunity of working with you through the whole life leadership program and talked a lot about slow power, which we'll dive into in a moment. But I, I think it's such an important topic to address because you know, and even in my experience, again, there's been these times where I'm constantly like, I just need to get these few more things done. If I could just knock out this other project, I'll stay up late and compromise sleep. But then I realize that the times when I actually take myself away or like take the weekends off and do something that's not just work, it really opens up this space to allow things to come in. And that's when I get the surprise email from someone who wants to work with me or a new opportunity to do a speaking event. And so there's so much power in slowing down, but it, it can be the hardest thing to encourage ourselves to do. So I'd love to talk a little bit about what slow power is and what that means and kind of how do we almost allow the space for the slowing down when we feel like there is so much to do. Yeah, I'll go into that in just a second. I just want to reflect back um, to what you were just saying that when you take the time, right? So it takes trust, right? Some part of you either is breaking down and you're like, oh my God, I have to take the time. Or some part of you has enough trust to say, I'm going to make some space here. And that's when in that spaciousness of either the time off or even just the time away from your computer, where that's the space where the creativity, the motivation and the inspiration skyrockets. And there's like an openness that brings in either the idea or the opportunity um, effortlessly, right? I, yes, it's, it's incredible. Absolutely. It's incredible. Yeah, and I think that's one of the biggest things I've had to learn is to trust myself. And that sounds like it could be a very simple thing, but if you're not actively doing that, it can be really hard to trust yourself to know that still everything's going to get done and that this is for your better overall being and health and mind, body, spirit, but then also trusting that, the other people are going to show up or just having that space and almost like the universe or whatever you believe in is going to step in and help provide the resources that you need. 
Exactly. Well, that's believing in the support and the universe. I mean, this is where I should tell the funny story really quick. It just I just rem remembered it this very moment where I was deciding whether or not I wanted to have the slow power retreat last fall. And I was thinking about how much work it was going to be and recruiting people and the marketing it and all the stuff. And I was kind of in this like tight fear place about it. And my coach said to me, well, I was going anyway away for a week camping to this family camp and where my meals were all going to be prepared. There was no internet. It was just out in the trees, but I didn't have to do any work. I was just going to like literally enjoy nature for a week. She said, just go, just go be in, in nature and think about it and, and see what happens. When you come back, you'll decide after having that spaciousness, like, do you want to do this retreat? And when I got back from the retreat, or as soon as I got back to, you know, phone and internet connection, I got an email from you that said, hey, you had said you were going to do that retreat. When is it going to be? And I was like, boom, that was my, that was my clue from the universe that it was, that it was okay to move forward with the retreat. It literally came just like you said, I created the space. And then I got the, the, the email from you that said, when are you going to do that retreat? I think I want to buy a ticket. Um, yes, I know. I love that story. Perfect. And I think yeah. <laughs> that was also my own need of being like, oh my gosh, I know I need to take a break. <laughs> yeah. And so you connected into, I was connected. There was some way that like the space created that opportunity. So mm -hmm. the trust in yourself, trust is such a big part of slow power. I just actually got off a call with a client who, you know, is in a lot of fear around, you know, she's a teacher in the school year and what does she do with her kids and should she, should she plan the daycare and should she, you know, all this control, right? So we, we think erroneously that we can get out of fear by just controlling everything. Like, well, if I control this and then she's in this daycare, right? All the decisions. And it's just a total contraction of the body, all the energies in the head. It's thinking and planning and, and, and trying to make it perfect where, Sometimes in that contraction, we, we squeeze out possibility, we squeeze out opportunity, we squeeze out support that's available to us from, from others or from the universe, right? When we're in that contracted state of, of having to control and do, right? So this is really about doing versus being. We lose, well, we lose peace, we lose calm, we lose relaxation, but we also lose the possibilities that come to us in the space. Um, and this particular client I was just talking to, there was a, a committee that she joined this summer and, da, 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 and she was joining it because maybe she would get more information about the schools and, da, da, and when we looked back on it, I said, well, what did you get? And what did you, what would you not, what would you have missed out on if you didn't join that committee? And she's like, well, what I got was a lot of headaches. I, I ground, I grinded my teeth all summer. Now I have to get a, a root canal. And at the end of it, I don't have any more information than I would have had at the, you know, having not been on the committee. And I got a lot of stress and I didn't, I didn't gain anything beneficial. I, I lost presence. I lost calm. I lost space. I lost joy. So sometimes we learn to trust by looking back at the, at the times it didn't go, that controlling and overthinking and overplanning didn't go exactly the way we wanted. Um, and sometimes we learn to trust by having the support of a coach or some wise person saying, you know, what can you let go of? And let's just see, what if you let go here? What if you let go here? And then showing yourself again and again that letting go can bring the results you seek. 
Yes, so, I love that. I think that's so true. When you're contracting, you are kind of, you almost become like a shield that's like deflecting off all possibilities and it's not really helping you move forward or like you said, be in that state of expansiveness and being able to allow life to guide you a little bit more versus controlling every detail. Right. Right. If you let go a little, you have a little peace. If you let go a lot, you'll have a lot of peace. If you let go completely, you'll have complete peace. Most of my clients aren't at the let go completely phase. You know, that's a big one. That's a big step. Mm -hmm. But learning to let go a little and then through that process, learning to trust. Oh, I let go a little and look, you know, like little, little mini experiments. What if I just let go a little here? What if I just let go a little here? Um, And then magnetizing in or bringing in from that letting go. Well, first of all, more calm, more peace in your body and ultimately creating the life that you want with less work. Yes. I even got like a little bit, like I got really excited when you're like, let go a little bit. But then when you're like, let go completely, I was like, oh my God, no way. (laughs) Yes. I mean, how would you, I guess, encourage someone if you are, I guess for me, it's sort of like I'm I'm willing to let go to a point, but then how do you really kind of trust that letting go completely means that, I guess it doesn't mean that you're not necessarily in action moving towards your goals or what you want from life, but it's sort of moving forward with a little bit more ease and flow versus trying to be attached to the outcome. Perhaps that's what, what that looks like. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good question. And I'll combine that because I didn't really answer your question before about slow power. So I'll, I'll answer them both together, hopefully. And you tell me if I, I didn't get there. So slow power is, is a process, right? So it is, it's something that you cultivate within yourself and it's also a process, right? So if you're trying to move through the slow power process and you're stuck and you're in this overdriving, overworking, um, old way of being, I'll say, you know, sort of, um, it's almost the patriarchy, right? Like work hard, harder that you work, the more you'll succeed, right? If we're, mm-hmm. if we're turning our back on that and saying, well, I think there's a, a better way to, to achieve. Cause this isn't about me saying slow down and stop achieving. Cause the people that I work with are high achievers. There's no way that they'd be like, yeah, let me slow down and I'll just have margaritas on the beach all day. That's not, that's not the goal. Um, and not wonderful, that, but yes, not, not the goal. goal in moderate in moderation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is like, how do I keep achieving and do it in the slow power way? So first of all, uh, I'll walk you through the slow power process. Partially we we overdo, those of us who are overdoers, I'm raising my hand here, um, because it's a habit. It's a habit that we've learned over many, many years because doing is a distraction, right, from feeling. When we are doing, we don't have to feel any negative feelings. We don't have to feel our lack of self-worth. We don't have to feel fear that we're not good enough, right? We just keep doing And we get the rewards, the external validation that, oh, you're good enough, you're good enough, you're good enough. So if we're building our sense of self-worth from that external validation and the world reflecting back to us, our achievements, then we got to keep doing, right? Um, And then we keep doing to distract ourselves from those underlying feelings of actually, I'm not good enough, right? The saboteur, the Mm -hmm. inner critic, the the, whatever you want to call it, your gremlin that's that that 
we're overworking in part to sort of quiet that voice because if we just keep working faster, harder, you know, better, that voice gets drowned out, but it doesn't go away. Right. So it's not a, right. it's not a strategy that helps really heal that voice. It just drowns it out temporarily. But then if you go down that line of thinking, then you have to keep working that hard all your life or you're going to, or that voice is going to keep start popping back up. So we all know that we can't work like that all of our lives. It's a strategy that I employed to my success in my 20s and 30s, for sure, um, 20s and early 30s. And then I started to sort of say, well, wait a minute, if I'm going to be working and want to feel successful and create the life I really want well into my 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, there has to be a different way, right? So, mm-hmm. so stopping or pausing, I'll say, and feeling your feelings, learning how to feel your feelings and be with your feelings in a safe way is a big part of the beginning step here, right? Learning about yourself. What are your values? What do you stand for? What, what, how are you made? Like, what's your, who are you? And then letting yourself feel whatever comes up through that, right? Maybe at the, maybe there's anger, maybe there's fear, maybe there's shame, but learning how to be with the feelings in your body is an important first step to slowing down because when you slow down, you're going to feel those feelings, right? Um, so learning how to feel them and then accept yourself and love yourself, bringing self-compassion to the feelings, right? So, oh, I'm feeling really anxious. I feel really angry. I feel really fearful. Can I love myself? Can I bring self-compassion and realize that everybody feels this way sometimes? Like these difficult emotions are a part of life and I'm not alone. Um, in fact, I'm like so a part of the human family when I feel those that if you can really feel connected instead of isolated in those difficult feelings, that's a big, a big tenant and a big core part of the process is to love yourself even when you're not doing, even when you're not achieving, right? So many of us that work like this feel like you have to earn your rest. I mean, just laying on the couch for a day or going and not doing anything for the day, what, what you're going to feel lazy or I should be doing more. I could be doing more. I'm not, you know, but just loving yourself, even when you're not achieving or even when you've made a mistake or even when you have failed worse, right? Oh my God. Right. How can you love yourself? Even when you failed, um, is, an important step, right? So accept, loving yourself, accepting yourself, feeling your feelings, accepting them, loving yourself, even amidst them is a really important first, second, third step. Um, yeah, those are incredibly powerful. And I was just going to tap into that last one a little bit because I think there's a lot of people who maybe feel their feelings and then it's really easy to, to kind of disregard them because they're uncomfortable or maybe they're negative when they want them to be positive. And I'm curious, like, how do you take that step into that self-compassion where it could be really tempting to want to just shift into rejecting those emotions? Like, it's one thing to identify them and be like, I'm feeling, you know, shame around a failure. But how do you really sit with that self-compassion and allow allow yourself to kind of self-nurture? That's the hardest part, the self-nurturing. So I, I um, am a big follower of Kristen Neff, who's a self-compassion researcher, and she wrote a book on self-compassion that is amazing. So if this is resonating with anybody, check out her book, Self-Compassion, 
something about learning to love yourself no matter what or something like that. But Self-Compassion by Kristen Neff. She teaches something that's called a self-compassion break or a self-compassion mantra. And the way self-compassion is defined according to her, and I like this definition, so I'll use it, is there's three pieces of self-compassion. One, becoming mindful of the emotion in the first place. So you need to be able to be mindful of this is how I'm feeling, right? Just, oh, I'm feeling a negative feeling or a positive feeling. It really could be any emotion, but mostly we we use this to to break that shame spiral or whatever. Oh, I'm noticing I'm tight in my chest or I'm tight in my throat or whatever. I'm feeling really fearful right now. I'm feeling really anxious. The second core component of self-compassion is um, common humanity, sort of what we tend to when we feel bad feelings, isolate. That's just a, a, a tendency that humans go through. Oh, I'm feeling this shame. I'm feeling this anxiety. Um, I'm going to be alone with it or I'm alone with it. And the second component is really saying, oh, I'm not alone. Everybody feels this way. This kind of suffering is a part of life. Nobody said we were always supposed to feel joy, right? Nobody said life was always supposed to be easy. So can I just be with the fact that um, I'm feeling anxious right now. And then going inside your body and kind of investigating it, allowing that anxiety or that shame or whatever anger to be there and then investigating it. Oh, what do I feel? I feel tight in my throat. I feel hot in my belly. I feel like a twisting around my heart, right? Naming it. And that way that we go inside and become mindful of the physical sensations of the emotion is a really important second step. So I'm not alone. I investigate it and then send love, right? Oh, so you've, you've named it, you've investigated it, you know, you're not alone in it. And then you imagine if, if it's hard for you to send nurturing energy to yourself, imagine what you would say to a dear friend or a child or how you would comfort a pet who is having a similar emotion. And you would wrap your arms around that child and say, I love you. It's okay. It's going to be okay. Oh dear, I can see how hard this is for you, right? So you just almost rock yourself a little. I wrap my arms around myself and just, you can put cradle your face in your hands a little and say, oh dear, sweet Kelsey, it's going to be okay. I see how hard this is for you. And imagine yourself, you're, you're basically nurturing your own inner child. And so if it helps to imagine somebody else, like a wise grandmother doing it for you, or you're doing it for a child. Sometimes it helps to like imagine how you would do it for someone else and then sending that loving energy to yourself. And then you're breathing deeply while you do this process. And then you note, do I still feel as anxious when I'm done? And if so, well, probably you won't. Probably it goes from an eight to a seven or a six, and then you do it again. And then you do it again. And it's that's why it's called a self-compassion mantra or self-compassion break. You just do it as often as you can, as soon as you feel yourself getting into negative thoughts about yourself or what should or shouldn't be happening. Um, I had to do this for myself the other day. I got a hands-free ticket on the gold, on the Bay Bridge. I was rushing to go do something for someone else and I was not mindful and I was holding my phone, making a phone call because I was running late and I got pulled over on the Bay Bridge. So awful. I had to do the self-compassion mantra about 14 times before I let myself off the hook and realize it's going to be okay. Yes. Oh my gosh. I know. I think 
that's one of the biggest things that I have learned from you is about self-compassion. And I, I think as how I will classify myself as a high achiever and someone who is always looking to work towards next goal. And for me, I think understanding that I was just being so hard on myself through that process and there wasn't really room for me to have that self-compassion. I would beat myself up because something didn't go the way I wanted it to. And that would then sit with me as I went to go do the next thing. And then it would start to spiral into these questions around my own self-worth and it was amazing how quickly those two can get tied together, like the achievement with your own definition of your self-worth. And and I think so many of us, especially in Western cultures, you know, our careers tend to define us, especially in the United States. It's always about, you know, are you climbing the corporate ladder? Are you making six figures or more in your business? And there's constant, like, I guess, chatter almost of people telling what you should be doing in your business and your life and at different stages. And I think when we're able to take that step back and not only acknowledge what it is that we want, but how we're feeling and then to move forward with that self-compassion. For me, I know it's opened up a lot of possibilities and I tend not to take things as personally anymore. And there's usually a, a problem that needs to be solved. It's not that something went wrong. It's just like, this is the challenge that I'm facing when I'm working with clients or, um, you know, when I was building my online course, there's, you know, different emotions that are coming up through that process and being able to really just take that step back. Again, it might've been only for a few minutes just to do like the self-compassion and give myself a hug and just kind of nurture myself. I mean, there is so much power in being able to do that because I do think it stops like that negative spiral that we can all go down and it can lead you know, sometimes that can go on for days where you're just beating yourself up. You're like, I just want to get to the weekend. And again, taking that step back is just such a powerful exercise to get in the habit as you're feeling those feelings. Absolutely. I mean, so many people think, so many women that I work with think, well, but if I'm kind to myself, I'll go soft, right? Or, you know, I had a client who was trying to lose weight, you know, and I was telling her how self-compassion or we were working together about, you know, loving herself and loving her body and that that's the way through. And she's like, no, if I love myself, if I go easy on myself, I'll just like gain a hundred pounds and I'll go so soft. And, and that's funny because that's the, that's the patriarchy, right? I have to be hard on myself to, and I have to work harder to achieve. And it's like, no, try this method. Just believe me, trust a little that loving yourself through the difficult emotion is is the way is the way through right not yes, absolutely the way to motivate yourself right it's hard to build an online course or whatever it is you're trying to do by the whip right it's like you know i actually had a similar i was doing i did a shelter in place online course recently and um you know i would sat at my desk one day, the day before I was supposed to do the next one, the next class. And I was writing the thing and I was rewriting the thing and, and I was so distracted. And I kept just checking Facebook and I kept checking my email and whatever. And you know what I needed? I needed a break. I needed to not be at my computer. I needed to say, I was struggling with a particular topic. And I, when I finally just said, it was like the end of the day, I'd been at my computer for like nine hours. It was the opposite of slow power. As I'm trying to write my slow power course, it was so ironic. But the truth is I slipped back into old ways often too. And then I have to catch myself. I'm, I'm no, I'm no Buddha here. Um, 
I finally was so stuck on it. I said, I'm tired. I'm going to bed and I'll just do it in the morning. But it was late by then. It was even later than I should have gone to bed. And I, when I got laid down in bed, I said, I'm just going to put on my voice memo and I'm just going to talk out loud about everything I already know about whatever this topic was. I think it was boundaries. Um, and I just started to talk just like kind of in that liminal space between awake and asleep. And I just talked about everything I already knew in my heart of hearts. I just like easily and effortlessly spoke and I recorded it. And when I woke up the next morning, I typed it out and there was my information that it came not from sitting at my computer, working my tail off. It came from rest. It came from allowing the spaciousness for my heart and my body to let go. And and there's where the words came from. Yes. I think that's such a beautiful reminder. I mean, there's been so many times where I'm also sitting at my computer being like, I just need to write this blog post or I just need to write this article. But it's amazing when you do step away and take that time, that's when that creative juices are allowed to flow. And I think it's less pressure. And I'm definitely the person that has all of my great ideas in the shower. Yeah. And to the point now where I actually have like, I bought washable markers that are made for kids, but now I can like write on the wall of my shower because I do, I'll come up with these great new topics and that next sentence that I needed and I can feel it just all flowing. Oh my God, that's so amazing. I love the washable markers. Yes. Oh my gosh. They've been such a lifesaver. <laughs> Although I'm like, if anyone just like walks into my shower, they're going to be like, are you a serial killer? But <laughs> they're all brilliant ideas. <laughs> um, I have another teacher. I have another teacher who always says she gets her best ideas in the shower. So yeah. I think it's just shower. like your brain is focused on doing something else and you're fully relaxed, you know? I mean, I love being in water. So I think even for a shower for me is like a very naturally calming place. And so again, you're not putting that pressure on yourself to be doing something. You are literally being, and that's when you do, you get these like great ideas that are aligned and help you take that next step. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, after the self-compassion, there's a big part in the slow power process that's around learning your boundaries. And, um, there's so many ways that we can think about boundaries. There's personal boundaries, there's physical boundaries, there's emotional boundaries, um, and really just becoming aware of, uh, well, sorry, your boundaries and needs kind of go together. You need to know your needs and you need to know your boundaries, right? And it's hard to know your boundaries until you know your needs and, um, really taking some time to identify, well, what are my needs? What do I really need to be whole and peaceful and well in this world? Um, and you have emotional needs, you've got physical needs, you have spiritual needs, you have emotional, physical, mental, spiritual. And so really getting clear on your own needs as part of this process, and then making sure you're meeting your own needs first, where that's like totally antithetical to how so many of us are raised, right? Where I, I for one, was raised by a mother who showed um, that by not meeting her needs, you know, she would meet all of our needs first and not meet her needs. And that was the way she became, thought she was being a good mother. Right. And I think that's often what we think in the work world too. I'll just do all these things for other people first, but ultimately that backfires. Right. So knowing your needs and then from there being able to set good boundaries, right. And then establishing, here's what I can do. Here's what I can't do. Here's when I will work. Here's when I won't work. Here's how much I will work. Here's what I will work on. Here's what I can't help you with. Here's what I can, right? So, and then feeling enough self-confidence and self, um, 
self-worth and self-trust to say no, right? To not always be saying yes, because the type of woman that I tend to work with, that I am as well, is um, a people pleaser, right? So we part of the way we have found success in the world is by um, pleasing other people. And that means when you're faced with a request from someone, your first um, thought or your first instinct is to say yes, because they want this from you and you're used to absorbing what you want based on what other people want, right? They're standing in front of you saying, this would be really great if you did this. And you're like, yeah, this would be great if I did this because they want it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Really learning to tap into, wait, what would be great for me? I know that this would be great for them and maybe there's a way that this can be great for them and great for me. And maybe it's not exactly the way it's being offered. And can I know myself and trust myself enough to ask for what I need in the same situation? And maybe we both can be happy. It's not like only doing things for yourself, but really deeply checking in with yourself first so that you're full and then you can help others, right? It's the old phrase, you can't pour from an empty cup. And I work with women who are often overwhelmed and exhausted because they're pouring from an empty cup. And if you don't know your own needs and you can't set good boundaries, your cup is going to be empty a lot of the time. If you're getting your fulfillment off of meeting other people's needs, which is very fulfilling, especially for those of us who are two on the Enneagram, right? Um, Oh, we do some Enneagram work in the Slow Power Program as well. Um, But it's not enough to get all of your um, energy from pleasing other people. Right. Yes. And I joke sometimes that I'm a recovering people pleaser, but it's not a joke because I was in that state pretty strong. I mean, I think for me, it took so long to understand what it meant to create boundaries because I really thought that I was just going to be letting everyone down. And, you know, one of the small ways in which I do this is even just when I'm getting emails and people are coming with me for opportunities or asking questions well, I'm so excited about all of that and I want to be of service and helping everyone. I've actually now made myself like read the email and then mark it on red and I can go and think about the answer or like you said, present maybe another opportunity for us to work together. But it, I think it's just so important to be able to take that step back and just not be on automatic yes, 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 because that's what I've always been. It's just like, yep, I'll take care of it. Yep, I'll do it. Yes, I'll help you. And it's amazing how much of your time can really be pulled into other people's needs. And then you do sometimes at the end of the week or month or years down the road go, wow, what have I been doing for myself? And why am I feeling so burnt out? I think like you were saying before, that can lead to a lot of physical distress in our bodies as well. Absolutely. I love that. It sounds like you, 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 um, embodied the pause and breathe before saying yes tool where it's like, Uh, You can't say, if you're a people pleaser as part of this program, uh, I teach you, you can't say yes right away to anything. You can ultimately say yes if that's what you decide, but there's no automatic yes for a little while. You have to say pause, which which you do by hitting unread, right? I'm just going to read the request and then I'm going to pause and I'm going to breathe and I'm going to see, is this the right request? I mean, is this the right thing for me to say yes to? Or is there another form of it? Or is there there a way that I could do it in a shorter way? Or is there a way that I could, you know, get my own need met at the same time, right? There's all these considerations that come after we tune into ourselves when we're so used to being people pleasers. 
Yes. And I think it was so easy for me too to just ignore my needs or think that my needs, like there will be time later for me to address my needs. And so it's amazing when you can shift into that really being rooted in your needs, like how much like more you almost get done <laughs> by just being more aligned with what it is that you need and how you can help people and what you can say yes to and what you might say no to or you know, not right now, but maybe sometime in the future. And that can really shift and direct and align you with different things in life and, and kind of move you towards your goals faster, which doesn't feel like it's going to do that. Again, it's like this slowing down to go fast. But again, if you're saying no, you can actually say yes to a lot more kind of bigger, bolder things. Yeah. And if you're like you and like me, it's you can actually be a, of more service um, by meeting your own needs first, right? The path of service requires filling your own cup first to be really, truly of service. Yes. Yeah. Even when I put on like my marketing lens, like I teach my course too, it's like I spent the whole first part of that course really rooting into like our purpose and our why. Because again, I think if we don't understand what we're shooting for, like if we're thinking about shooting a dart on a dartboard, if we don't know what the what's in the bullseye, and we don't know what our needs are or what our purpose behind our businesses are, then it's so easy to get sidetracked and just be kind of going after shiny object syndrome and, and just doing whatever someone else tells us to do or just jumping on the first opportunity that comes in and it might not be the best thing for us. Right. I mean, that's, that's at the root of essentialism too, right? Where if you try to go after everything, you won't be good at anything. And so it's like, what is really essential here? And, and knowing your why is, um, is knowing your needs, is knowing, right? Why are you doing what you're doing? What, who are you? What are you made here? What are you made of? And what are you here to do? Um, can, really, can really help you say no to, to things that aren't aligned to your values. Um, when you said something about email too, it reminded me of one more thing about boundaries. Boundaries are also things um, that we set with ourselves, right? And I um, feel like I work with a lot of people who at least right now, well, always, but right now, you know, um, with the news and things on, on TV and on our phones and in social media and whatever, like really knowing like, what are my boundaries? How much information can I, do I want to take in? How much of other people's energy do I want to take in here and how much uh, and where can I draw my boundaries really can keep us more um, rooted in our own in our own power versus leaking our power all over the place when we're taking in too much through online sources that I think right now especially with the news being kind of what it is um, can be really anxiety provoking absolutely yes and I remember in the beginning of the program, you encouraged us all to not pick up our phones for the first hour, 90 minutes of the day. And I remember thinking, like, that probably doesn't impact me that much. <laughs> but boy, was I wrong. I mean, it's still something that that is one of my biggest things to start my day is to leave my phone. I don't need to, to be on my phone at all for the first, like, at least hour is the minimum for me to really allow myself, again, to kind of address my needs like what do i need to start the day on the right foot and right now you know the environment is so negative and you see people fighting on social media or 
um, you know, the news is just, it's just one thing after another right now. And that can so negatively impact us. And while we can still be aware and participate and, and learn what we need to learn about what's going on, I think when you can really root into your needs first and have those strong boundaries, again, you're going to be able to kind of focus on what's important to you, what you need to get done and how you can serve and kind of help create the world that we all want to be living in versus kind of getting sucked into these negative spirals. Yeah. Uh, it, and it's something that I, I love that you still remember that. Um, and it's something that I always think about and, and some days I'm better than others and how much I can do, but the days, I, I mean, how long I can stay off it, but the days where I really take the full hour to 90 minutes, I'm like always amazed at how much better I feel all day. Yeah. All it day. makes a huge impact. Definitely. Even if I just read or I read poetry, I, I'm leading this um, morning meditation in Qigong every morning now at eight. So sometimes I, I read a little bit before then, sometimes I practice a little bit, but I'm usually up for a little while before the eight o'clock meditation in Qigong. So normally if it was just me, I would just get up and do the Qigong and meditation and then automatically it would be an hour, right? But since I'm getting up about 6.30 in the classes until eight, I kind of have this weird hour where I sometimes don't know what to do with myself and I'm tempted to get on my phone and sometimes I do. But if I don't and I read or I, you know, clean or I just be with myself, it's it's so much more empowering. Absolutely. And I think it helps like set the tone for the day. It kind of allows you to ease and flow um, and have that joy for the day versus kind of instantly getting that like your stress hormones almost fire as you're looking at different, you know, social media or the news and scrolling and I think it definitely lights up different parts of our brain and, and can really, again, set that tone for the day. Absolutely. I mean, it also just puts us in reactive mode versus, um, uh, you know, working on ourselves or reacting to others, meeting others' needs. Again, especially if you check email, you're like so easy to like get the dopamine hit of responding to people and checking things off, but then it's, it's really taking the focus away from your own deep work. Yes, Absolutely. So I'd love to dive into the whole life leadership a little bit more and kind of talk about how we, how do we achieve with more ease and joy when we live in this, like we've talked about this hustle mentality and this kind of the patriarchy that's like, go, 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 achieve, achieve, achieve. And so I wonder if you have any insights or tips into kind of how do we really kind of root into that, that ease and that joy and still, and still get successful in our own definition. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's the slow power process, right? It, it's a process. It's deciding what it is that's most important to you, you know, what you need, what are your values, what are your needs, um, uh, feeling the feelings that come up as you're learning this new way of being, um, saying no, right? Setting good boundaries and saying um, what you can and can't do. Um, and then trusting, right? And letting go and delegating, right? So I just talked to um, a woman today who is a leader in her company. And the, the more she tried, so this is like, you know, uh, let me, what part of her story do I want to tell here? The more she tried to control everything, right? The harder she was on herself and others about about um, everything being perfect or wanting everything to be a certain way. She really feels like she held herself and others to such a high standard because that's just how she was raised, and that's to her what success is. And it's sort of this like tight-fisted um, 
way of leading, the more she started to take care of herself. This was actually a little before the pandemic and now she's totally working, working from home. But the more she was one day a week working from home, going on a walk before work, getting a little better sleep, she's actually started to do a mindful eating program. So she feels a little better in her body. The more, and, and in order to do all that, she had to let go of some control at work, right? She had to say, all right, everything doesn't need to be 100% perfect or everything, you know, maybe I'd be okay if this was 80% perfect, right? So she had to sort of t- give herself a self-talk around around letting go as she started to lead her whole life more in a more balanced way, which one part I didn't mention earlier in the slow power process, but is um, a big part of it is this embodied awareness, right? How do we take care of our bodies? So, you know, we talked about sleep, and, you know, enough water and healthy food and movement. And there's not like any specific, I don't say like you should eat these things or not eat these things. It's just about paying attention to what your body actually needs and giving it that in a loving way. So usually that means more outdoor time, a little bit more movement, Um, but not like I'm going to go to the gym and pump iron, but just like, can I move my body joyfully? Can I get outside and be in the trees? Or if I live near water, can I go walk near water? Can I, can I, enjoy, can I go on a walk in my neighborhood and just note the things that are beautiful, right? Do a pleasure walk. So there's an embodied part of whole life leadership too, which when you're making time for that, by necessity, it takes some time away from the amount of hours you can be at your desk, which therefore by necessity means, okay, if you're making yourself and everybody else crazy to have everything be A plus work all the time, right? So you, 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 it follows down that like as you let go and say, all right, well, maybe 80% would be okay here. Ironically, at the end of the day, your team, you and your team will both produce much more than 80%, much more than B plus work, right? Just by letting go, again, it creates the space and the spaciousness to allow people to do their best work, to be motivated through love, to be motivated through joy and ease and um improving the, their quality of life. Those are the things that like, as you step into whole life leadership, it's sort of this mind, body, spirit approach, right? And we work, you kind of work on where you're most um, stuck. Some people it's, it's their bodies, right? Just getting movement, just getting outside, more deeper breathing, a little bit of meditation, some Qigong, maybe some healthy um, habits, right? Maybe that is the, the the leg of the stool that needs to be supported. Some people it's, so that's the body. Some people it's the spirit, right? This is about, you know, self-compassion and loving yourself and accepting yourself and, and learning to be present in the present moment, staying out of fear. Um, and some people it's the mind, like maybe you actually have things that you need to work through, problems to solve, right? So there is a, there's not, this isn't saying like, let go of the mind completely. We're very thinking beings. So it is, is there a way to plan? Is there a way to delegate? Is there a way to work with what is in the mind in a way that feels um, uh, compartmentalized, right? So that the mind doesn't run all the other pieces, right? So mm-hmm. it's, 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 if you're going to be the leader of your whole life, which includes your work, it includes your 
home. It includes your relationships. It includes your body, right? It's, it's learning how to balance all these tools, right? Self-compassion, feeling your feelings, setting good boundaries, being in, um, flow, being in the flow with the rhythm of time, right? Knowing that everything has a season, right? Um, summer there, you know, there's a, every, every, your body has just, just like the calendar does your body has a winter, a spring, a summer and a fall and being in sync with those seasons, right. Allowing rest when it's winter, allowing, you know, growth and new ideas in the spring and sort of investing in what's new. And then summer, you know, making it happen, using the young energy of the universe and really going out there and doing what you need to do. And then letting go a little bit in the fall and saying, all right, what can I let go of? What can I incorporate? What can I integrate? How can I get ready to rest again in the winter, right? So when you think about it in the year, it makes perfect sense. So clearly there are seasons, but every month has a has a season, right? If you are having a, a regular cycle, or even if you aren't, you could do the cycles of the moon, right? Um your the menstrual cycle has a winter has a summer a winter a summer a fall a winter and a spring as well right so ovulation is the summer um and then the second half of your cycle before the bleed is the fall right so you're starting to slow down starting to to go inward a little bit and then when you have the bleed that's actually your winter and you really should rest right your body is saying rest you should rest you're right that is the winter of your cycle and then after your bleed ends, you're in the follicular phase again, and that's the spring, right? New ideas. You have tons of estrogen, lots of blood forming, right? That's your spring. Go out there, do it, right? So when you think about the seasons of the year and you think about the seasons of your month, you have to think about the seasons of your work, right? Can you be in summer and spring all the time in your work? Oh my gosh, I love that so much. I've never really thought about like our monthly cycles being in seasons and represented in that manner as well. And I think so often we are with our works, we're constantly wanting to be in fall where we're like harvesting everything, right? And and there has to be time to get that rest and to plant the seeds and then, you know, connecting to to reaping the rewards and it's not always the rewards and sometimes there's that building and rest. So that was such a beautiful way to put that. And I know through the pandemic and being just in quarantine for me getting out and just doing walks around my neighborhood and looking at all the flowers as they were blooming through the spring and the summer. And now the butterflies are flying around the roses and smelling people's roses. It's just, I don't know. It's just been so fulfilling for me. And it's another way of me, I guess, incorporating more slow power and just getting away from my computer and we're just kind of living all of the different pieces of our lives all in one space right now. So for me, that has been something that's been super connected to my heart, body, and spirit and a way for me to get moving and and just feeling really anchored in, in who I am. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it is funny. I mean, speaking of seasons in the pandemic, it's like, wait, did we have spring? Are we in summer? It's like, it's like a little bit. Where are we? Know. Are we not to go to does. fall? Yeah, it feels like time has sort of collapsed itself a little bit. <laughs> it totally does. It totally does. And, you know, I have a, I have an eight, eight, nine, almost nine-year-old and I feel like, wait, did we get summer? Is this summer? Because it just feels like the end of the school year and now we're going to run right back into the school year and have um, you know, distance learning again, it's going to feel, is this summer or is this, is this, you know, where are we? Um, but right. I do think noting, noting 
the cycles and noting the seasons, even within your day, right, um, can really help this overdriving, you know, high achieving woman that I that I am and that I work with know that like there is an appropriate time for rest and that it's through that rest and then the planting of the seeds and letting them root and grow down that the spring and the summer can sort of bloom and can happen, right? We can't be in spring and summer of our day or of our week or of our month all the time. We will just burn out, right? So slow power and whole life leadership really revolves around um, being in sync with the seasons and allowing yourself to feel um, worthy of acknowledging the time for rest as well as the time for action. Yes, absolutely. I think it's that taking a holistic view of ourselves and our days as much as we are also looking further ahead, um, moving towards our goals. (laughs) So before I ask my last question, because I could talk to you about this slow passion or slow power and self-compassion all day long. Um, but before I ask my last question, um, where can listeners connect with you more online? So I have um, a slow power Facebook group. Um, I think it's just facebook.com slash slow power. Um, I also have a website, kelseylowitz.com. K-E-L-S-E-Y-L-O-W-I-T-Z.com. And on there, actually, if you go on there, I have a free mini course, a video course on the four pillars of slow power. So I walk you through um, basically a short video lesson and a practice from each of the things that I talked about today. Self-compassion, boundaries, um, embodiment, and um, knowing your values and your needs, sort of not in that order. (laughs) Um, And so that would be a great way to just uh, learn a little bit more about my work and getting a little free um, video lesson. And then I'm launching a a group program early this fall. So if you come and um, sign up for either my Slow Power Facebook group or that free video mini course, you'll be the first to know about when it's happening. That's amazing. I would definitely encourage everyone to go (laughs) take the mini course on slow power. And I will link to all of those in the show notes as well. So I'd love to end by asking you, how does being intentional show up in your life or business? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I feel like intentions are everything. (laughs) I mean, that is like a whole it's everything. When we know, when we set intentions on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, we have a roadmap of where we're going, of where we want to go. It's about stating, it's partially about stating your needs, right? Oh, I, I, I follow another coach online who just had a post this morning and she said, what is your intention for today? And just writing out my intention, um, made me conscious of what I wanted to achieve today. And, So you can do it in many small ways like that or in larger ways. So in my coaching program, I have people set intentions for the six months, right? It's like, it's like setting a vision and it's miraculous how, when people look back, even though we just kind of go through the coaching program and they kind of just are doing their life, when they look back at what the intentions that they set for themselves six months before, it's um, incredible how much people have aligned their life to their intention. So I think it's like almost metaphysical a little bit. If you, if you know what you're creating, you're, you're saying it to yourself and to the universe. And then 
you, you have to create the space and you have to be in, you know, the, the receptive nature to allow um, the things to come in that need to come in. But um, I feel like setting the intention is part of the, the magical recipe of creating the life that you want. Oh, that is such an amazing answer. I love that. And I would agree with you. I think intentions really do set a roadmap for us to, you know, be able to focus our energy and bring our, our bring it to alignment again with everything that we're working towards. Yeah. It's like, you know, I haven't done a vision board in a while, but one year I did a vision board and, um, uh, a couple of years ago, and I put on there, I cut out from room and board this this picture of this living room that I just thought was really lovely. And it had, you know, some modern looking couches and this cool looking um, coffee table and whatever. And I just had it on my vision board. I probably don't even, it wasn't even conscious anymore. My vision board was just up in my office somewhere. And then at some point, I know when it was March. So it was like January that I did the vision board. And then in March of that year, um, a friend sent out an email that said, I'm moving to Greece and I'm selling all my furniture. And she like had all the pictures and on it. And because the pictures of her furniture looked almost exactly like my, the picture of the room and board catalog that I had cut out, I didn't have to think about it. I just wrote back immediately and said, I'll buy your whole living room. And I was like, literally, you know, it was like five minutes after she sent the email and turns out lots of people had written back, but because I was the first person, I got all the pieces. And I, I attribute that to, um, having set a vision because I didn't have to think about it. I don't know. Do I like those couches? Do they fit? Da, da, da. I already just knew because I had set the intention that that's what I wanted my living room to look like at some point. Right. So that's just a simple example of like, I was able to write back without any hesitation. I will buy it all. And I was the first one. So I got them because I had set the vision board. Oh, I love that story. That's so amazing. I've been even diving into the world of neuroplasticity and it's amazing how much, you know, the vision boards actually primes our brains to be looking for these opportunities on a subconscious level. Yeah. And it does. It really gets us to a place where we are know exactly when to say yes or when to say no because our brain's already scanning and looking for it. And so I love that you just illustrated that story in that way because it, it's so true. And again, I think when we set our intentions and we have that clear definition of our needs or our purpose or our why in our business, we can make those decisions and we know exactly where we're going and, and everything that we are looking to accomplish can just align in a way that is going to help us move forward. And it takes a lot of that guesswork out. Right. And that's slow power, right? Creating this, setting the intention and creating the space and being ready to say yes to what's aligned and no to what's not. Oh, that's so amazing. Well, thank you so much, Kelsey. I think that was a perfect place to end. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. And again, everything um, to have the listeners reach out to you will be linked in the show notes. So thank right. you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Charlotte. It's always so good to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Kelsey. You're welcome. Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode, please subscribe to be the first to know when a new episode is available. And if you really love this episode, please rate and review the podcast so that other conscious business leaders like yourself can join our community of listeners. If you'd like to connect with me further, you'll find me hanging out on Instagram at Charlotte Chipperfield. Come join me there or check out chipperfieldmedia.com for free resources, 
subscribe to my monthly newsletter, and learn more about the holistic marketing system.